Brilliant. Brilliant. I'll just move this over there. Amazing. Okay. So before uh, we start, let me introduce myself. I'm Sam, as Bada said. I'm one of the leaders here, and I am excited to be with you today. I love Sundays. I love church. I love church during the week. I love the Gabba Church on a Sunday. And I'm excited about what God has been doing already this morning and what I feel he's going to do, the Holy Spirit will do through what I'm just bringing with you today. So my prayer for you today is that God speaks to you. Very simple. Very simple. I pray that God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit this morning and for a touch of the King, all of your life or an aspect of your life will be transformed by him this morning. But before we do that, uh, Graham and Michelle in Peru, who knew that? That Graham? Yeah, most of you did. Um, I thought it would be great, I know that uh, I spoke to them during the week and they're having a great time, but I'm actually going to take a photo of you guys so we can send them to you. So let's, if you're bored of church, can you put a happy fo- smile on just for the photo at least, so it looks like we're having a good time. Um, and I'll try and get in myself, I'll try to duck down. Right, let's go that way so we can get more people in. So give me a big smile if you're up there. I'm I look like I've got something wrong with me. Um, let's do another one. That's just my face. Uh, and we'll send this out to Graham. Well, I'm going to need to go backwards. Sorry, PA team and all that. Brilliant. Perfect. I'll send it to him later on. And Michelle, I'm sure that'd be great. Uh, love to hear from us. And also, if you spend time praying during the week, pray for them as well. They're doing amazing things with the tailors out there. They're setting up prayer rooms. They're praying on the streets. They're going around doing so much stuff. So hold them up in your prayers because... God is working through them whilst they're out there. And actually, when we do stuff for the kingdom, the enemy doesn't like it. So pray protection over them as well whilst they're out there. So today, what am I talking to you about? Well, I kind of gave myself the title, Holy Spirit, Prepare for Power. Okay. So next week, Adrian's going to come and he's going to talk to us about Holy Spirit, uh, looking at being baptized in the Spirit and going slightly wider of that. What is the impact on our lives? And I'm looking at Prepare for Power. Now, I felt like God talked to me on this um, a few weeks ago, actually, and I feel like he's calling us as a church into, the pl- into a place where we readily prepare ourselves daily for the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit just isn't there if we don't prepare ourselves. I want to put that disclaimer in straight away. The Holy Spirit is ready and readily available all the time and goes with you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you and goes with you and guides you and things like that. But I felt God was calling us today to a place of learning about every day we ready ourselves, we prepare ourselves for the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And I felt like God was saying that we need to be expecting his power from a place of intimacy with the King. And so we're going to look today at the story of Peter. Now, I know um, quite regularly we talk about Paul. Paul was this amazing missionary guy wrote most of the New Testament. He's amazing. Well done, well done, Paul. Great, great. But sometimes I think we forget about Peter. Peter's amazing. I don't know if you ever spent time looking at Peter's story in the Gospels. Um, he does some really cool things. And I look at him and I kind of go, yep, yeah, you remind me of myself a little bit. You jump to conclusions sometimes. You get things wrong. You get a little bit angry at times when you shouldn't get angry. But there's times when God just brings amazing revelation to him. And I feel today that we're going to look at the journey from the denier at the cross to the verse in Acts 2, verse 1, just before the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. We're going to look at what happened to Peter during that time for him to go from denier to preacher. What happened there? Now, 
essentially what happened was the Holy Spirit came and they filled Peter and Peter went out in boldness and spoke the good news, spoke the gospel and many people were saved. But I also feel God is calling us to look at some of the lessons that happened in between that time period where he spent with Jesus after Jesus was resurrected and we can take some really, really important values from that and lessons from that time that we can apply to our daily lives. Now, I said to Lay, my wife, that um, usually when I start a preach, I like a story or an analogy or a metaphor or something, and that's just the way I like doing it. But today, I don't have that. Today, I just want to simply come to you with the story of Peter, some other verses in the Bible, and just give, I believe, lessons that we can apply to our life. No gimmicks, no extra stories. But there might be a story thrown in about my life or something like that. But essentially, coming to you with the with scripture and just saying, "This is what God does to Peter. These are the lessons we can learn. Let's apply it to our lives so we can be prepared for power when we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit." So we're going to look at um, Peter's story, as I said. Now, I don't know if you know Peter's story. I'm going to tell you a quick back back part to it. And then we'll get to the bit on the beach. So basically, Peter, as I said, was a disciple. Uh, he loved Jesus. And I don't know if you know, but Peter denied Jesus three times. You probably know that story around Easter time at the cross. Denied Jesus three times. Jesus dies on the cross. Uh, Peter feels really guilty about it. Things haven't gone well for him. Jesus dies for our salvation, our forgiveness. He's raised from the dead to, to conquer death. Jesus is victorious, which is amazing. Jesus comes back from the dead. Things, a few things kind of happen, and then we reach, reach this passage in John 21, where Jesus is on the beach. And I'm just going to quickly read it to you. So John 21, 15 to 17. So Jesus is on the beach, had just had breakfast. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt, by, hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And I love that passage. I love it. It's a reinstating of Peter in this moment where the question is, sorry, there's a helium balloon just floating down in front of my eyes. It's very weird, very surreal. Um, there's, thank you for catching that. Um, there is, there's this moment in, in the, the story of Peter where he's denied Jesus three times. He's asked a question, do you love me three times? And there's this moment where Peter, it's like he's being released from the guilt and the shame of that denying of Jesus. And we look at that a little bit later on. But I feel there's so many parallels in this story of Peter that are just like our own life. So I'm just going to go through some of them. So Peter's denial at the cross, that's so much like our rejection of Jesus, our rejection of God, isn't it? So we rejected God, I don't know if you know the story, back in creation, in the fall, Adam and Eve rejected God, human, mankind rejected God. That's the same as Peter's denial at the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection. Well, that's God's eternal plan for us as well, was the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we can be forgiven for everything we've done wrong, and we can live in relationship with him forever if we believe in him and repent. Then we have Jesus' do you love me questions. 
And I want to put you, that's the eternal question of God to you. Do you love me? Do you love me? From the beginning of creation to forever and ever, do you love me? And that's not because he's some like, oh, I need all the gratification kind of God. It's because that's what he deserves. He deserves all of our love. So the eternal question of God to us is, do you love me? Then you've got Peter's declaration of love and repentance. And that's exactly like our declaration of love and repentance when we come to say yes to God. God, I am so sorry for what I've done wrong. Of course I love you. Of course I love you. We declare it. And then you've got Jesus' statement of feed my lambs. And we're going to look at how that kind of represents forgiveness and acceptance. Just the same as our life. When we turn back to God, he forgives us and accepts us. And in the same statement of Jesus, Jesus says, feed my lambs. God is defining the purpose on, our, on Peter's life. Just the same as defines the perfect purpose on our own. So let's look at a couple of those things. We don't have loads of time this morning. But, um, so we're going to look at uh, the first thing. We need a life of repentance rooted in the guarantee of forgiveness. That's what we need. And here, as I said already, we see the parallels of the rejection of God, Peter's statement of I love you. There's a, it's a statement of him saying, basically saying, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry for I did wrong. See, what Peter's really doing here, he's stating truth. And he's saying that he's sorry and he's, he's, he's showing Jesus that his heart has turned away from the rejection and is turned towards Jesus and saying, I love you, God, I love you. In Romans 10, verses 9 to 10, we hear this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, I believe God is calling us to a life of repentance. And I don't know if you know what that word really means. Repentance is essentially saying where we look at our own lives, we see, what, we see where they don't align with God, and we say, I'm sorry for that. I want to turn back to your calling on my life, your direction on my life, and how you say I should live. But I want to say that repentance isn't just words. Just like uh, we had in that story, Peter, Peter says, I love you, which is, which is words in itself. What he's representing is a change of heart and attitude and action of Peter saying, this is where I was facing, away from you, God, but now I'm facing this way. I want to go with you. I'm sorry. I'm, that old way, I want to leave it behind. You will make me a new creation, and I'm going to go with you in that way. I also felt God want me to put to you today, repent, a life of repentance isn't a weak life. I don't know about you, but in society today, to admit that something's gone wrong isn't the best thing to do, I don't think. Like, I remember when I was working, <coughs> if you messed up in the school or something like that, you might be quickly trying to cover your paperwork. I remember Lay will laugh because she knows there's times I didn't do my paperwork at school. And I'll be like, oh no, we've got Ofsted coming. Oh, oh no, there's an observation tomorrow. And I'll be like, oh, I haven't done this lesson observation or I haven't done this bit of paperwork. And I'll be like, oh, what lesson did I teach? I just quickly type something up. I try and cover my tracks because I didn't want to appear weak. I didn't want to appear that I got it wrong. A life of repentance isn't like that with God. 
It is, let's cover my tracks. Gotta, oh, oh yeah, really, yeah, yeah, God, I've, I've read this today, but really I've been reading it for the last two years. And he's like, come on, Sam, I know you haven't. You haven't read that word for two years. Why are you lying to me? I know you, I love you, I care for you. A life of repentance with God is every day going, what is wrong? What have I done wrong? God, I am sorry. Help me change my heart and my attitude towards you. And it isn't weak. And really, it should be encouraging and life-giving. An attitude of repentance takes us away from the things that we were doing wrong that don't align with God, which aren't great anyway, they're terrible, to a place where we go, I'm with you. And that feeds us life. Because God gives us life and life to the full. And we repent to the king. We're not just repenting to some random person who is like, oh, I know a little bit about you. You repented to the king of kings who loves you and knows you and forever and ever and ever love you. So we don't have to be worried about rejection. We come to him in a place saying, I'm sorry, I know you're going to love me forever, but I, I'm sorry because you deserve more than I'm giving you right now. That's how I kind of feel sometimes. It's not that I'm ever going to live, lead the perfect life because I'm human, but I know God's standard is perfect and I know that I messed up sometimes. I also put to you that a life of repentance is natural for a child of God. If you're sitting here thinking, mm, this whole repentant thing sounds okay, but it's not really for me. If you're a Christian here today, I want to put to you a life of repentance is exactly where you need to be. Daily going to the King of Kings saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Not to be condemned, because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But as I said, to be encouraged and built up and be given a, given, being life-given through it. And finally, repentance is real. We need to be real with the King of Kings. There's no point faking it. Because he knows it all anyway. Really, what we need is a Psalm 139, verse 23, 24 life. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. A life of repentance is one where we come daily and say, search me, God, and know my heart. Is there any offensive way in me? And the joy of it is, just as we see in the story, is that we are given forgiveness. I don't know if you noticed that when Jesus asked, asked the question, do you love me? And Peter answers, oh, of course I love you. And Jesus' response is, well, you got this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. Didn't you deny me at the cross? He doesn't do that. Jesus answers with, and feed my lambs. He doesn't come in with anger. He comes in with immediate forgiveness. Because that's who our king is. The king who immediately forgives. Because of his death and resurrection. We are in relationship with him when we believe. And as I said, the question of eternity from God is, do you love me? And if there's anyone here today who hasn't accepted Jesus as their saviour, as God, as their king and father, I want you to consider it today. I want you to consider whether you want to be loved eternally as you are and someone who's going to forgive you for everything you've done wrong and all they're asking is, trust me, turn from your ways and go with me. 
If that is you, I'd love to talk to you afterwards and I'd love to explain it in more detail with you and spend some time with you on that. Secondly, the next thing we, we see in this is there's a confidence in the, we need a confidence in the promise of purpose. So it's going back to that same statement. Um, if I could get the next slide, Hannah, thank you. If we, go back to the ne- if we go back to that statement where Jesus says, do you love me? Of course I love you. Feed my lambs. I don't know about you, but that, when we prepare for power, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, we need to know that we've got a purpose. And in this moment, on this, in, the, in the story, we're seeing that that's exactly what Jesus is doing. The Holy Spirit's on its way in a little bit of time. And Jesus is saying, you've got a purpose, you know, Peter. You've got a purpose, you know. Your purpose is to feed my lambs. And I want to put to you today, if you are a Christian here today, God has a purpose for your life. I can tell you some of them, and there's other ones you're going to want to seek yourself by spending time with him and listening to him. The ones that I can tell you now is that with God, our purpose is to praise and worship him. We see it in the, in the Gospels. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Praise and worship him. Your other purpose is to be a disciple. Walk with him daily and become more like him. Another one is in Matthew verse, uh, 28 verses 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is another purpose for all of us in our lives if we are a Christian here today. So I want to I say, if you're here today and you're a Christian and you think, I don't have a purpose, I've just given you three things that God says about you, about your purpose for your life. And finally, as I said, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and see what he's saying over your life. He knows you personally. He knows you personally. Ask him, where are you calling me? Ask him, what are you encouraging me to do? Is it to go or is it just to spend time with you? Is it, and it probably more than one thing. Who are the people God is calling you to? Is it your neighbor? Is it Andy, like Andy and Taylor in a different country? Is it that God's calling you to set up a group? I encourage you so much. Spend time with your king. And just say, God, I love you. What is your plan for me? What is your purpose for my life? I've got a little quote up, up there from Rick Warren. He loves a bit of purpose. He wrote a few books in it. Uh, without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. I don't want to be in that category. And praise the Lord, I am not in there because I gave my life to Jesus. If, as I said, if you're a Christian here today, that is not you. We're the opposite of that. We have purpose. God says it again and again and again in his word. Brilliant. We'll move on from that bit of the story. We're going to jump to the next part of the story. I'm going to read you the ascension and then one verse from Acts 2. So it's in Luke 24, 44-49. Uh, 46 to 49, sorry. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance of all, for all sins, repentance for all this forgiveness of sins will be preached in, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of, all the, of, of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place.
And I think we're going to, we can learn lots of things from these little passages, but two things we're going to pick up on as we fly in towards the end is that preparing for power daily is living a life in community. God hasn't designed you to live alone. God hasn't designed you to, to go on a one-man or one-woman trek and not have people around you. I don't know if you, you know the Bible that well, but we are described as a family, um, and it's a family for a reason, because God wants us to live with each other and do life with each other daily. If we want to be a people that are carrying the Holy Spirit with us and pre- prepare for the power that brings, as we're going to learn about next week, we need to do life together. There's a little statement right at the end of Acts 2 verse 1. They were all together in one place. I love that little, like, little phrase at the end, just after the comma. It's so good. They were all together in one place. Because they were doing life together. They were doing life together. They were doing community. And that takes on different forms. It takes on uh, the importance of the gathered church where we are today. Where as a church recently, as leaders, we have been hearing lots of words around uh, a couple of things. Number one, the gathered church being the well. You might have heard us speak about that a few times from the front. Uh, As on a Sunday, we feel it's like the woman at the well where we come and draw living water. And I want to encourage you Obviously, I love Sundays. I love being here. It's my job as well. But I'm going to encourage you to come on a Sunday if you can. If you come on a Sunday, come on a Sunday. Drink from the well of living water. Worship together. The privilege of being able to worship with other Christians, with brothers and sisters. Come together and worship. Come together and hear the word. Come together and encourage each other. Come together. Share stories. Come together. But that doesn't mean that you don't do life for the rest of the week as a Christian. Because there's an importance of the daily life living together as well. The importance of discipleship with each other. The importance of huddles with each other. The importance of just dropping a text to each other. The importance of being accountable to your brothers and sisters. When we're prepared for power is a life of accountability. A life lived in community. Because when we do the daily life together... We remind each other what God has done. We care for each other. And I want to thank you, church, right now. I want to thank you, Lay's back today, which is great. It's the first Sunday back. I'm back as well, if you want to clap. No, joking. Um, so, oh yeah, thank you. A couple of people just pity clap. Thanks, Dave. Um, so, but I want, to, I want to say that I want to thank you, church, for your response when Lay collapsed and was in hospital. I want to thank you. You did life. As Christians, you did life as family. You contacted us. You prayed for us. You, you asked us if we needed practical support. When we live life as a community and we're prepared for power, we do life like that naturally. Because when we daily prepare ourselves like that, we walk out confident. We know we've got our brothers and sisters with us cheering us on, going, take the power, take the Holy Spirit with you. Go, go, go. And you know, no matter what happens, you've got your brothers and sisters with you there to cheer you on and encourage you and help you in times of need. And I don't know as well, like, it was a tough time at points with Lay, but I'm sure we've all gone through some really hard times. There's times where we just need someone to stand with us and hug us. And for me, to stand with me and remind me what God has done. That in the midst of something that's hard, someone reminds me, God has done this. God is faithful. 
God is with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. God has got a purpose for your life. God is he's cheering you forward. He's, he's for you. He is not against you. And I kind of think that's what had been happening in that little room waiting for Pentecost to happen. I don't know about you, but I might have been a bit confused at that point. <laughs> been like, wait a minute, he died, came back to life, he's gone again. This doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, I'm very confused right now. And I imagine I'll be like the, the Thomas character maybe in this, doubting a little bit. And then I've got like, then you imagine like John's next to you going, Sam, do you remember you fed like the 5,000 5, people with just a few fish and some loaves of bread? Sam, do you remember that God healed the paralytic man? Remember when they broke up the roof and they lowered him in? Do you remember that? And I'll, and I'll be like, oh yeah. And when we do life together and we tell each other stories like that, we prepare each other to take it out because we build boldness in ourselves through the stories of what God has already done and the promise that he will do it again. And we have got the promise that he will do greater things, that we will do greater things through his name. So tell each other stories. Do life together. Be prepared to take the Holy Spirit with you by living a life in community. And the gathered church being prepared for the scattered and on the daily doing life accountable. Well, it appears that my last page has gone missing. Did I throw it away? Oh, my wife has stole it. <laughs> the last thing, I know it anyway, but is that we need to wait. Who, told, who said paper is better? If I had my iPad or something, I would never have lost the last page. Last thing is that we need to wait. I don't even notice in that story as well, uh, in the Ascension, Jesus says, this is what's written. In some versions it says, remain here. It says some things it say, say in Jerusalem. There's a call to wait. Stay in Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why didn't the Holy Spirit come straight away? That's always puzzled me. It was like, Jesus ascends. He goes, just before he goes, wait in Jerusalem, guys. Just wait there. Wait, wait for what the, the Holy Spirit, wait for the power that's been promised by the Father. I'm like, I'm a bit impatient sometimes. Why didn't it just come straight away? Why didn't Jesus go up, Holy Spirit come down? Oh, relief for the disciples. There's no moment in between. And I want to tell you that there was a lesson maybe in that, that God is teaching us to wait on him. To be patient. Now, there is a disclaimer in here that they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. I've already said to you this morning, the Holy Spirit is readily available and lives in you if you're a Christian. I just want to re-say re that to you in case you walk out and go, I've got to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's a principle in waiting on God that is good for us. That is good for us. Patience in the Bible is a theme that comes up again and again and again. It's good to wait on God. In Psalm, right, I will come back to it in a minute. So yeah, God is calling us to wait. And we'll see as a church recently, I feel like we've been moving in a direction where we're starting to wait on him more. And God is calling us into a place, we keep getting this word of lingering. To linger in the presence of God. When I think of lingering, that's remaining and not rushing off. I think God is asking us to be patient and wait on him and in his presence so we stay and we linger. We've, we don't go, oh, I've got, I've got a lunch thing at midday. I need to walk out the church at 12. I'm done. It's a, I'm going to wait. 
His presence is better than all things. And I love food. He's on the daily going, I'm going to, and I need, I'm talking to myself here. I need to set aside time to spend and linger in his presence. Just like Peter and the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit to come, God is calling us to wait in his presence to prepare us to go out. And waiting, as I said, is a theme that comes up again and again and again in the Bible. I'm just going to quote a few of them. Uh, Waiting helps us know God. We see it on there. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still, stop, wait, and know that I am God. Strength. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and never be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Strength from waiting. Courage. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It's twice in there, so we've got a double helping in that one. Just wait and let your heart take courage. So we need courage. Wait on the Lord. We need rest. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a call of coming into the presence of God. Come, and I'll give you rest. Hope. Psalm 62, verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Wait in silence, for hope comes from God. Wait. And he fights for us. Exodus 14, verse 14. If you're struggling, this might be something that really helps you right now. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Wait. Remain in his presence. Wait on him and he will fight for you. And to finish, we're going to wait. But we're going to jump back to our first point, first of all, repentance. Now, I don't usually, I've never been to a Church of England church for a long period of time, but sometimes I do some good things. And, no, I'm joking, they're, they're really good at points. So there is, uh, they use liturgy quite a lot, and I've got some liturgy we're going to put on the screen. And it's a prayer, they call it a prayer of repentance. And I just want us to read it out together. But before we do that, I want you to spend 30 seconds just asking God, what in my life is not aligned with you? What in my life is not aligned with you? Let's pray this together. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amazing. I'm going to ask the band to come up now because we're going to spend some time worshipping together and waiting on God. Just as they come up, I'd love it if, you could, if you're able to stand to your feet. That'd be amazing. And um, we can wait on God without 
music in the background that is possible the Holy Spirit does move when uh, there isn't music as well. So we're just going to spend some time just waiting and then we're going to spend a couple of minutes singing together, waiting on God, resting in his presence. So let's just have a few minutes of quiet just asking Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. We know you're here already. Holy Spirit, as we wait on you, move amongst us right now. Speak to us now. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're moving. We love you. Move amongst us now. Father, we, uh, we're sorry for all the things we've done wrong. We, re- we repent and we know that you guarantee us with forgiveness. God, we pray that you help us to be people that live daily in community, living life together so we are prepared to walk out in boldness knowing what you have done and where you've called us to be. And God, as we spend time lingering in your presence now, God, we thank you that we know you're with us. Whether we feel you or not, there's a guarantee that you are here. So God, help us to dwell in your presence now, worshiping you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.